Hello, hello, good evening, happy Thursday. Now, as you can see, today is a little bit different from usual because uh, Peter has some uh, uh, last minute um, meeting that he has to attend. So um, today, unfortunately, he is not able to join us and I will be myself alone in the studio with all of you tonight. Um, it's, a, it's a funny experience to me because, you know, we have been doing uh, this uh, night, Thursday Night Live um, for quite a while now. And this is the first time, the very first time that I will be doing the show myself. Now, um, if you like Mr. Money channel, uh, remember to uh, click the subscribe button, you know, share this video to um, all your friends. You know, it's going to be a very interesting topic tonight. Um, also, not to forget, um, tune in to uh, the FAQ show or the FAQ show. That is my channel where we talk about investment content. Now, if you miss any part of this um, live, Thursday Night Live, not to worry. All you have to do is to sign yourself up on Facebook Money Hackers Group. That is um, sort of like our community group. So once you um, sign up for that group and then every Friday we will upload our Thursday Night Live to that group. So you can replay the content over there. And uh, if you think that, you know, the, these two guys here, it's not to say very handsome, I don't really want to see their faces, but yet I still want to listen to what they have to say. Uh, don't worry, uh, every Monday we will upload um, this uh, content in a form of podcast as well. So all you have to do is to just hit on to Spotify or you know iTunes or whatever and search for The Real Money Show. Every Monday we will upload the show there. So stay tuned and continue to support our channel. Okay, um, tonight, as we say, we are going to go into a very, very interesting topic. And we also put up a poll over here. Do you think tomorrow there's going to be the budget 2023 announcement? Or do you think the parliament will be dissolved? Come on, put the votes in so that we can have a feel of what Malaysian actually thinks. Now, it's, it's, it's very funny because um, if you think about it, right? The job of the government is to govern the country and make sure um, the political scene is stable, economic is stable, everyone makes money, everyone happy. But, <laughs> but today, it's, today it's very funny because um, as we all know, the Prime Minister went to see the king um, in about, at, at about 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And then as usual, a lot of media were there. They were, they were uh, waiting for new announcement, news from the Prime Minister to see whether he will hint anything about uh, dissolving the parliament or whether they will go, go ahead with the uh, Budget 2023 announcement. But he said, oh, you know, um, there are a lot of speculations out there. Some are true, some are not true. But um, wait, wait for my announcement tomorrow. If I announce it now, you know, there's going to be no more suspense. Now, that statement is very funny because, yeah, on, 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 on one hand, you are supposed to ensure stability in the country and then you want to create this kind of suspense among the people. So what, what are you trying to do over there, right? But uh, nonetheless, we are less than 24 hours away to find out whether the budget 2023 will be announced or not. So tomorrow is going to be a very interesting day um, for everyone, all Malaysian, and also particularly exciting and interesting for the stock market as well. Because 
usually during budget announcement, the market will be slightly more volatile. You know, they would want to uh, speculate um, which 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 stocks will benefit from the budget. You know what what they should do to rebalance their portfolio and things like that. But this time around, they don't even know whether the budget is going to be announced tomorrow. So. I'm also not sure what is going to happen to the market tomorrow. But nonetheless, tonight is going to be a discussion with all of you. Then perhaps we, are, we, can, we can try to uh, make some um, intelligent guess to see what could happen tomorrow. Or if certain things happen, then um, what we could do as a normal Malaysian. Um, oh, who is... Okay, so before we go into our content, who is Frankie? Uh, Frankie is um, the host for this show of, called The FAQ Show. Um, it's, it is part of the um, Mr. Money TV umbrella of channel. So we have two channels. One channel is called Mr. Money TV. The other show is called The FAQ Show. Mr. Money TV is more focused on personal finance, how to build financial literacy among um, normal individuals, whereby the FAQ Show is more intense and um, talk more about investment, stock market, economy, politics, you know, that kind of stuff. So if you want to find out more about the FAQ show, you know, just go and search on YouTube and you will be able to find our channel. Okay, so will there even be a budget 2023 announcement tomorrow? First of all, does anyone familiar with the budget. Do you know why we need to have a budget to begin with? If you know the reason why it is so important to the country, can you write budget for me? But if you don't know, just press X so that we can uh, sort of like a mini poll here to see um, how, how, how familiar are we towards the budget that is going to be announced tomorrow. Uh, so far, there's only one response there, budget. So I suppose um, many people are not too familiar with the budget or why do we need to go through this budget every year and what is it about? How does it affect the economy or how does it even affect our daily lives, right? Okay, so imagine this situation. Um, I suppose every one of you remember when you were young, um, at the beginning of every school term, your parents will come and say, okay, this year, because you were a very good boy last year, I'm going to give you five ringgit as pocket money every day. Wow, very happy, you know, five ringgit, I can buy food, I can buy some uh, stationery, and sometimes I can buy toys or, um, you know, buy some gifts for my girlfriend, people who I like in school, you know, things like that. And then as the year passed, a new term starts and then, you know, maybe canteen food also gets expensive and whatnot. And then your parents will say, okay lah. Last year I gave you five ringgit, right? This year I'm gonna give you six ringgit. Six ringgit for your daily, uh, daily expenses and pocket money for the entire year. So what you will do in your mind without realizing that you're actually doing it is that, okay, so now I have one ringgit more than last year, which means to say whatever that I spent last year, I have a budget of 20% extra to spend. Now, how am I gonna use this $1 extra in my daily expenses to plan for my day? for the rest of the year. So essentially, that is a budget at a personal level. So to understand the country's budget, it's actually very simple. You just need to amplify it to 30 million Malaysian, and that's basically the Malaysian budget. And every year, the government will come up with a version of uh, the budget to look at next year to see how the country wants to spend 
to build the economy, to bring the economy forward, to make the people's life better, to improve our standard of living and all that kind of things. And given that, you know, we just came out from COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of money is potentially be spent on subsidies as well because inflation everywhere, right? Every week we have been talking about inflation. So I suppose if tomorrow there's a budget tabling, most likely there's going to be a lot of money channeled towards uh, subsidies as well. But we will go into that a little bit later. But just, 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 just want to pinpoint why is this important at an international level. Now, if you look at the news, recently another country also did their mini budget. Now, mini budget kind of give it away already. So you probably already know which country I'm talking about. But if you don't, then um, that country is actually the United Kingdom. UK, right? So UK recently they have, uh, well, not elected, but appointed a new prime minister, just like what happened in Malaysia. So for so for some reason, I somehow realized that you know what what is happening in 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 UK is actually copying what Malaysia is doing. So yes, um, they have their their new prime minister. Uh, it's a lady. So this lady's number one job right now is to fight inflation. That is the biggest problem in the UK today. So she, as usual, to fight budget as the government, she will have to come up with a plan. So she drafted a plan called the mini budget. <laughs> okay, so not, not sure what's playing in her mind, whether she, she has a bigger plan in mind or she is just trying to be funny or whatnot, but just listen to see, just listen to this. Huh? This is a summary of her mini budget that is supposed to help the UK economy to grow 2.5% annually going forward. Sounds very good, right? But let's see what are the initiatives that is in the, is, is in the budget. Number one, she's going to cut taxes by 45 billion pounds. Okay, so you think about it. Cut taxes means that the people could potentially have more disposable income in their pocket so they can spend more money, okay? Sounds like a good plan, sounds solid. But tax cut on where, which part, right? So number one, if you are a high income earner in the UK, so if you're earning 150,000 pounds annually in the UK, which is considered like the top tier kind of uh, earners, your tax bracket will be reduced from 45% to 40%. Good job. All the rich people will be richer. But what about people who earn less than 150,000 pounds a year? Not much of incentive there. Okay. Number two, bankers. Bankers, you know, bankers are well known to get big fat bonuses every year. And because of the 2008 financial crisis, they say that, oh, Bankers are just want to reap all the money they can. You know, they don't care about other people's and all that. So therefore, one way to actually uh, reduce their motivation to actually come up with all these devilish products to actually lure, lure investment money, to put money in their banks and therefore they can make more money is to actually cap their bonuses. Now, what the new prime minister in the UK did was she unlocked that cap. So basically, in her mini budget, bankers can now have a lot, a lot, a lot of bonuses going forward. And her justification for this is to attract financial services back to the UK so UK can grow as the European financial hub again. Make sense? Doesn't make sense? Arguable, right? It's, 
it's it's very hard to pinpoint whether she's right or she's wrong. But in the people's perspective would be, wow, last time because of all these bankers, you know, we went into this uh, uh, subprime mortgage crisis and now you are actually released, unleashing the devil back to the market. So that's why as a result of that, the consequence is that people started selling UK government bonds because they lose, gov- they lose confidence in the prime minister's um, capability of managing the economy in her country. It came to such a bad situation until the Bank of England have to step in to buy government bonds. If the Bank, the bank, if the bank of England didn't do that, then a lot of pension funds who invested in UK government bonds, because that is one of the safe, safest investment for pension funds, right? So if the Bank of England didn't do that, then a lot of all these pension funds will actually go bust. It's as serious as that. <laughs> Imagine the economy became, the, the bond market became so bad that you need the central bank to come in to intervene the market. So that's how bad it is, the implication. If a government is not careful in drafting their budget, Okay, and right now, Malaysia is going through this process. By right, the government is going to announce the budget 2023 tomorrow. And right now, all the relevant people in Ministry of Finance are being locked in a room. They call it the war room to actually finalize the draft for the minister to actually table it to the parliament tomorrow. In this war room, they are not supposed to have their phone. They totally cut off connection with the world outside because they don't want information to leak out so that, you know, uh, maybe investors, traders, they would take those information and do insider trading. So they didn't want any of those to happen or they don't want to create that huru-hara situation in, among the people. So therefore, they created this war room and people are locked inside there. Um, so from that perspective, if so many people are still working as we speak right now and they will sleep there tonight until tomorrow, 4 p.m. when, when the document is being t- put on the table of the Minister of Finance, basically they can't talk, they can't do anything, they shower or everything, sleep also in that building. So from that perspective, there's a chance that actually the government is still thinking of tabling the budget tomorrow. Because if not, then why are they still working right now, right? At this hour, it's already 8.20 in the evening. So that's one way to look at it, right? Um, Okay, but so that is the beginning of the process of um, drafting the budget. What will happen is that after the the Prime Minister or or the Minister of Finance table the budget, what will happen is that the whole parliament will have to debate on the initiatives that the government will take. Say, for example, oh, um, this is just an example. I'm just playing a scenario here. So so this is not real. So, for example, if tomorrow the Minister of Finance says, okay, because we need to have more funding to give more subsidies in 2023 to fight inflation, I think we need to implement GST again. Okay, and then this, so this thing has been published to the parliament. And then what they will do is they will debate on the issue. 
So most likely, Pakatan Harapan will say, oh, you know, people now are struggling. They don't have enough disposable income. They can't even feed themselves. Then now you want to implement GST. It is not good for the people. And then um, the other side of the room will say, but if you know, you know, GST is the most comprehensive tax system in the world. Most country, developed countries, they are all using GST. It is a very good tax system. Malaysia should uh, implement it as soon as possible. You know, they'll have this kind of debate. So debate, debate, debate already, then they will come to a conclusion. Then all the conclusion of all the initiatives will be laid down and then it will be passed in the parliament and then it will be uh, concrete. Once it is concrete, then the government will run based on that budget next year. So that is the whole process of um, this uh, tabling of budget usually. Okay, um, But what if the Prime Minister decides to dissolve the parliament tomorrow, what is going to happen? Right. What is going to happen if the Prime Minister dissolves the parliament tomorrow? Number one, of course, the Minister of Finance cannot table the budget. Who is he going to table it to? There's no more parliament. Yes, there's people, but in the eyes of law, in the, in the legality of it, there's no parliament to actually receive that, that uh, budget 2023 announcement. So if there's no tabling of budget, there's nothing to debate, then there's no budget for next year. So how is the country going to be run in 2023? That is the first question that we need to ask ourselves. Right? It is a very serious matter. It is a very serious matter that we have to ask ourselves. So apart from all these things, so let's, let, let us go through what are the implications that could happen if there is no budget in Malaysia for 2023. Yeah? Okay, so number one, budget means how much money we can generate, how much money we expect to spend, and then therefore who is going to get some of those benefits and then um, what are the areas that we can build and whatnot. So let's look one by one. Number one, how much we can generate. First of all, we don't know, we, we, we don't even know whether there's an implementation of GST or whether we will continue with SST. How much is the economy going to grow next year and therefore how much tax we are going to collect? How much dividend are we going to get from Petronas? All these questions will be question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay? Okay. First, huh? so revenue question mark already. Secondly, how much fuel subsidy we are going to give Malaysia next year? Currently, our raw 95 is 2 ringgit and 5 cent. And that is because the government has a budget to support that subsidy. And therefore, we are able to pump at that 2 ringgit and 5 cent price. Because with the inflation that's going on today, the raw 95 price is easily, I think, double. I think 4 ringgit also possible. Um, if you pump raw 98 or raw 100, you would know the price of petrol today. So what is going to be the subsidy for fuel next year? Is it going to be 2 ringgit and 5 cents for round 95 next year? Nobody will know. How much are the petrol stations going to price the petrol? Right? How much vegetable oil is going to be? You know, you, you, you know when all these vegetable oil prices jump up like mad, at one point, the cooking oil was 50 ringgit a, a tong, a tong. I think it was a five kilo, five kilo uh, vegetable oil that is uh, 50 ringgit, has gone up to 50 ringgit. If not because of government subsidy, that would have been 50 ringgit. 
But if there's no budget, how much that vegetable is going to cost next year? So, and then this is just at our personal level, right? If we look up one level, all this ministry within the government will be clueless as well because how they operate is that the, the Ministry of Finance is going to allocate budget to all these ministries. For example, Ministry of Education, you will get, uh, let's say, 1 billion ringgit to actually build uh, 10 schools and then you can hire 100 teachers and buy some iPads for the student. Uh, Ministry of Transport, you would get, um, let's say, also 1 billion ringgit and then you are supposed to build, let's say, MRT3. You know, all these things comes, all this money actually comes from the budget. And now without the budget, all these ministries don't know what they have to do. The, the only consolation here is that without the budget, all these um, government staff and uh, all, the, all the public service servants like your nurses, doctors, policemen, uh, firefighters and all that, they will still be able to get their salary. I think that is all that they can do. But apart from that, any expenses to do with KPEX, all the development expenditure, all the policy-related programs, all these will come to a stall if there is no budget for Malaysia in 2023. Okay, and from a, so, so now from a personal level, we know what are the impacts. At the government level, we also know what the impacts. Now let's move up another level. Let's see what is going to happen in the international stage. Right? From the international um, political perspective, right? when, when, when you have all this problem, right? government, no money, you know, your economy not growing and whatnot, right? and it will come to a situation whereby the political scenario in Malaysia becomes very unstable. And if that is the case, as investors, they would require an even higher rate of return to compensate that kind of political uncertainty in Malaysia. So what will happen is that if Malaysia were to issue bonds to raise money to run the country, the rate of return is higher, right? So the interest rate is going to be higher. So that is going to make borrowing costs for Malaysia government to be even more expensive. You see? So, so, what, so what I think is that the government or rather the Prime Minister is playing a very dangerous game right now. And therefore, I think that instead of saying that, you know, let's keep this suspend, you know, I know people are speculating in the market. I think what he should do is to just clear the air and say that, oh, I actually spoke to the king. We only talk about um, flood mitigation or how to make the economy better. We, yeah, probably we touched on a little bit on general election, but we didn't come to a conclusion. Maybe that kind of statement will, will help to cool the market down a little bit, if you get what I mean. But all he says is, let's keep the suspense. So luckily, this suspense only lasts for less than 24 hours. Lah. If it lasts longer than 24 hours, I think the implication will be even, even worse. But um, having said that, um, because it is just less than 24 hours away, we will know what is going to happen um, if we just keep updating ourselves with the news. Then you, will, then you will be asking yourself, if they are playing with fire, right? Have they played with fire before? Because if you haven't played with fire before, right, then, then, then it's very scary, you know. You don't know whether it will actually blow the roof off. But if they play with fire before, they can actually make it to their advantage. 
Uh, right? So if you look back in Malaysia history, actually this situation happened before in 1999. So in 1999, uh, the budget was tabled on 29th of October. And then um, the parliament was actually dissolved on the 11th of November. So that's about, let's say, two weeks after the tabling of the budget. Um, so therefore, there was not enough time for the parliament to actually debate on the content of the budget. So the budget was left hanging there. Left hanging there, the parliament was dissolved, so the budget was not passed. So when was the election? The election in 1999 happened on the 29th of November. So that is about 20 over the 20 over the, about three weeks, three weeks after the parliament was dissolved. And then subsequently, even though BN government won two-third majority in 1999, they only able to retable the budget in February 2000. So if you think about it, right, from the time they first tabled the budget in, in uh, October 1999 all the way until February 2000, it's a good six months, even though they won a two-third majority. This time round, right, things are very different. We are so different from what happened in 1999. Today, we have Undi Lapan Belas. All these new voters, as many as 6 million of them is going to come to the poll to vote for their first time. What that means from the government perspective is that they will need more manpower, more resources, more money, and more time to prepare for the general election. So in the past, if in 1999, it took three weeks from the dissolvement of parliament until election, this time round, if they do that, chances are it's going to drag longer than three weeks, maybe one month or one and a half months. Uh, oh, by the way, they have to hold election within 60 days after the parliament is dissolved. So even, even if they cannot do it, they must do it within 60 days after the parliament is dissolved. Okay? So number one, you have a wave of new voters coming. Right? And then second thing is, in the past, in 1999, everyone sort of know that, ah, yeah, you know, Barisa National should win one. Uh. Since, since independence, they have been winning two-third majority. So this time around, shouldn't be a problem. And throughout the years, most of the time, they win two-third majority, especially during um, Tun M's period. This time around, um, the political scene is very different. Um, I think a lot of people lose confidence in parties political parties. So most likely, you know, ah, some people will have, some people are so fed up with AMNO, for example, and then some people will be so fed up with PKR, with DAP, the, you know, the things that they say don't make sense, you know, stuff like that. But on the other hand, we also realize that actually within all these parties, right, they are very, very good leaders. Very, very good leaders among um, the uh, members of parliament. And all these voters like us, we are becoming more aware and well-informed compared to how it was in 1999. So um, the, the, there was a saying that, you know, in the 90s, right, winning an election can be as easy as just wearing a song kok. You know, wearing a song kok represents a certain political party and therefore, based on that, I will just vote for the uh, candidate. This time round, I think it's more based on merits already. Because if you vote for the party, right, it makes no sense anymore. <laughs> you know, 
they, even though today we have the anti-Lompat bill that is passed, right? I'm sure they will find a way to say that I don't support uh, whatever uh, vision that the party is doing and therefore I withdraw myself from the party and I would like to join the other side. You know, because of this situation, I don't think voting for the party is the right way to go. But instead, I think this time round, people will vote for the correct people, the people who really stand for uh, servicing the people and uh, build the economy better instead of just purely based on what machineries are all these political party playing. And um, yeah, we, we, we will see how it goes from that front, right? Um, and how is it different this time around is that in the past, the, the prime minister is always the president of AMNO. So there is a very little conflict of interest. As the president of AMNO and as the prime minister, and the prime minister has the sole discretion to actually meet the king and, and ask for dissolvement of the parliament, this time around, it's two separate roles. You have Ismail Sabri as the prime minister and Zahid as the president of AMNO. Now what we have been seeing from the news is that actually this side making a lot of noise, right? Faster election, faster go for election. This guy here is very chill. Wait lah, you know, we have to talk about flood mitigation. I haven't met the king yet. You know, even I met the king already, let's keep the suspense, right? <laughs> so yeah, so we have this situation right here. And I can understand from the president of Amnon's point of view because he still has 47 charges in court associated with the misuse of the um, public funds, right? Um, he still has this uh, 31 million ringgit um, Yayasan Akau Budi funds case that is going on. So imagine if he, if his party wins the election and then, you know, as a political party, sometimes magic can happen. So magic could happen on him. So that part we don't know. But it seems that it has a lot of benefits if Barisa National calls for an election and wins the election. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for any other parties out there. For Perikata National, um, <laughs> sad to say, they did a very bad job during COVID-19 pandemic. So I think, if anything, they will lose even more votes during the, the uh, upcoming general election. And from Pakatan Harapan, I think it's a 50-50% chance because uh, they are not very strong. Uh, we can't see a very, very uh, gang-ho leadership within Pakatan Harapan at the moment. And you have this muda that is new, inexperienced and all that. So that is looming within the opposition coalition. And on the other hand, you have the Barisa National now doing very strong. They are managing the inflation quite well. Um, subsidies are also working in the benefit of the people. You know, and Najib now is in jail and all these politicians somehow being acquitted of their charges as well. So now they are rebranded as a corruption-free party. So we are, an, we are an old party, yes, correct, but we are now free from election and we have sort of showed the people how we can govern better than Perikata National and to a certain extent, uh, Bakatan Harapan as well. And with the budget 2023, if we are able to come up with good initiatives to 
to bring Malaysia on the path of recovery from COVID-19, then that will even boost their chance of winning in the next general election. So based on all this, right, it comes down to the question, should the Prime Minister dissolve the Parliament tomorrow? In my opinion, if he is a responsible Prime Minister or any, any responsible Prime Minister would do, is to actually go ahead with the, with the tabling of the budget, let the debate happen, let the debate approve, and then you dissolve the Parliament so that at least no matter what happened, what result comes out from the uh, general election, at least there is a government to take on the budget and execute it in 2023. But if he wants to play it to certain people's advantage, this is a very powerful weapon that, that, that he's currently holding. Because think about it, we already know the implication of not having a budget. And if tomorrow he dissolves the parliament, chances are he will use this storyline to go to the ground and tell the people that say, yes, the general election is coming, but we are the ones who has the plan, even though it has not been tabled yet, but we already have the plan in hand to actually bring Malaysia to recovery. So if you want this recovery plan, please do the right thing. That is the powerful weapon that he holds. But of course, when we say they are playing with fire is that, okay, yeah, you can use that as, as your pitch to the people. But what if the people don't buy that pitch? What if Pakatan, uh, Pakatan Harapan comes back to power? <laughs> then we will come to a situation whereby the plan that the Barisan National Party drafted may not be used completely or it may be re referred to draft the new budget, but it's going to take a long time for the, new for the new government to come and adapt and apply all the new uh, plans for the country in 2023. So it's going to create another huruhara for all Malaysians. So if he wants to play it to his advantage and if the people know um, the danger of all, all this implication that is happening right now and they just want to have a stable economy and, you know, since, since they brand themselves as corruption-free right now, so why not just pick someone that has experience managing or has experience governing the country before? So I think if anything, that is the card that he's playing, the card that he's holding close to his chest right now. Right. But okay, so we have talked a lot about Amno Barisan National and all that. But actually every year, right, the opposition coalition also comes up with their own version of the budget. So so, so sort of like shock shock how to say uh, shock sendiri lah, huh? because I'm not the government, but I want to show people that I have done my homework. So they every year they will come up with a thing called the shadow budget. So the shadow budget would be essentially saying that if Today, I'm the government. These are the plans that I will do for Malaysia next year. So, um, as usual, for 2023, Pakatan Harapan also uh, published their shadow uh, budget. So, uh, it is a very long document, but um, I just pick up some of the things that um, I think it is uh, quite interesting to share. 
And maybe you all can put down in the comments also to see whether their budget makes sense or not and whether uh, we should give them another chance to actually come back to the government and implement their shadow budget. Okay, so first of all is for the SMEs. Um, if Pakatan Harapan is the government, based on their budget, they are going to give 1 billion ringgit matching grant for small and medium SMEs uh, on dedicated productivity solution. So meaning to say, if your business, your small business is thinking about digitizing, digitalizing your business, maybe have a robot to fry the fried rice or um, AI system to record your accounting, you know, things like that. And if you need money to actually deploy all this technology, then the government will come up with grant to match the amount that you are going to invest. One billion ringgit. Number two, um, if you own SME, this thing will be very familiar to you. Um, if, your fam if your revenue is more than 600,000 a year, your tax rate is 17%. I think all SMEs will know that. But if Pakatan Harapan's will, will be come to power next year, uh, yes, next year, then their plan is to actually reduce that 17% tax rate to 15% and up the revenue limit from 600,000 to 1 million. Now, as an SME ourselves, <laughs> of course, clap hand, right? You know, we don't need to pay so much tax next year. But just a shadow budget ma, is just shocks and dairy only. Okay? Secondly, um, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the whole tourism industry suffered. Um, some of them even closed shop and all that. So next year, Pakatan Harapan suggested that Malaysia should call ourselves Chuti Chuti Malaysia, Malaysian Tourism Year 2023-2024 to promote the badly hit tourism sector. But what specifically they want to promote, um, not very clear over there. But this is, this is one interesting thing. So I think they copied from Indonesia. So I think you guys know that in Bali, you have these digital nomad passes, right? Where, they, where if you are a digital nomad, you can actually go and live in Bali and then operate your business there and then just, just, just use the pass. So Pakatan Harapan also suggested the implementation of digital nomad passes in Malaysia to spur the local economy for foreigners wanting to stay here and work. I think that's somewhat good as well. And thirdly, in the palm oil industry, you know, shortage of worker, rising cost pressure. I think if you are investing in stocks or if you are in the FAQ Telegram group, you heard enough from me talking about this already. So Pakatan Harapan proposed that a 500 million grant for disbursement to oil palm smallholders to achieve the much needed productivity improvements. So I think um, this is somewhat political because smallholders, a lot of all these smallholders are actually um, Felda settlers. And Felda settlers vote are very powerful during general elections. So I think this one, questionable, but okay lah, you still help people, ma, right? You know, people are suffering from all this rising cost pressure. So okay. Um, the fourth one, um, to double the supplementary food program in schools. So um, they say they want to allocate five ringgit in Peninsular Malaysia and six ringgit in Sabah Sarawak and Laban to all students so that they can have uh, better food, more nutritious food um, and um, actually help all these people who are in need. That one, good for the students, uh, but um, yeah, especially those B40 um, citizens in Malaysia. 
And on top of that, they also proposed 600 million ringgit to give scholarships to people underprivileged. So I think this one is really, really very good. Actually, there are a lot of smart people in Malaysia, but because of lack of resources, lack of funds, all these talents are unearthed and undiscovered. So I think this 600 million, if possible, I actually hope they go higher. It should be limitless. And as long as you can prove that you are, you are eligible for it, then you should take it. I think that should be the way to go. And they also give 1.5 billion, they will give 1.5 million ringgit special grant for schools to cope with the aftermath uh, because of this uh, COVID-19 based on per capita basis, not based on what type of school. So they may be very clear. So no matter you are sekolah, kebangsaan, Tamil, China or whatever, per capita and if your school got 300 people, you will get 300 people worth of special grant for the schools. So these are some of the examples that I pull out from their shadow budget and it is for us to look and see how the real budget is going to look like compared to the shadow budget tomorrow if Tengku Zafro is going to do that tabling tomorrow. So um, I think I've talked enough about the budget, the implication, you know, um, what we should look at, what we should not look at. Um, so I think right now we have 15 minutes left. So I think we can open up the floor for questions. If you have any questions, you know, you can just type it up in the comment box and then I will pick it up and um, address them and then we can discuss this together. What are the chances both announcements will happen tomorrow? Ah, this is interesting. Okay. So this is like the 1999 situation. No? So let's say, for example, the budget is announced tomorrow and then the parliament is also dissolved. Then it will come to a point whereby the parliament cannot debate on the issue. It needs to wait until the election is conducted and then retable the budget. Ah, so that will take a very long time um, for the budget to be approved. <laughs> please pray, please pray no stupid budget. Okay. Um, actually, we have a very smart Minister of Finance. I actually quite, quite tabate to him because he has done a very good job given this um, very, very uncertain economic condition times. Um, I think the budget 2023 will be very much focused on the people. So as an investor, uh, a bit put off because usually budget means, wow, you know, MRT3, uh, high-speed rail, uh, you know, that kind of flying car, uh, that kind of stuff. So from there, then you can look down and see, oh, which company is going to benefit, benefit from all these initiatives, share price is going to go up tomorrow. But this time around, I think the focus will still be very much on the people. And probably to attract more FDI to Malaysia, the, the Minister of Finance may actually put some money in ESG initiatives. Now, if you think about what ESG initiatives that can drive the green, the green team to the fullest, in my view, lah, and for every Malaysian to participate is electric vehicle. Electric vehicle. So I think that part, um, we, we can pay attention to it. And the other issue is also because of uh, food security, right? We've got chicken shortage, lah, vegetable shortage, lah, all kinds of shortages. And over the past few months, we also heard a lot of all these rumors in the, in the stock market that, um, you know, this company is going to uh, invest in cash crops, 
cash crops means plants that can generate cash, like your sayo, sayo, kangkong, kangkong, and that kind of stuff. So, um, oh, speaking of that, right, there's this one very interesting company called PLS Plantation. Uh, it is a majority owned by EcoVest, and EcoVest was um, famous for the Bandar Malaysia project during Najib's regime, and also to some certain extent, the high-speed rail project as well. And now their subsidiary POS plantation is um, involved in this food security initiative. So they're going to come up with 50 million ringgit to form a JV in Pahang to plant all these cash crops. Just saying, lah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do anything here. Um, yeah, so is it a stupid budget? I don't think it is. I think it's going to be a very targeted budget. I'm actually looking forward to, to see what are the interesting initiatives that we can see from this budget. So I do really hope that the budget can be tabled tomorrow. Okay, most of these are just comments, comments. My my bank balance already GG. I think many people's bank balance also GG. <laughs> BMR will increase OPR next couple of months till January 2023. This is another interesting topic, but um, if we talk about it, it's gonna drag until like nine, like ten o'clock. So I think let's 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 keep that in mind. Let's do that one for another day. But but yeah, I will I will tell Peter that you know one of these weeks we will we will do this topic. Equity sound bond also useless. What to do? Cash is king. Cash is king. But if you have already accumulated a good amount of cash, um, you know, for the past few weeks, we also say that uh, it is now time to actually start accumulating slowly, cautiously in the market because some of some of these stocks are really, really cheap right now. And personally, I have been putting a lot of money in um, US stocks. Um, if if uh, you guys watch us long enough, you know that my favorite US stocks is actually Palantir. Uh, Palantir has done fairly well, even though the market has gone down tremendously. Um, apart from that, cryptocurrency, uh, you know, we ha I have this opposing opinion from Peter, right? Peter thinks that, you know, uh, Bitcoin is going to go down further and I hold a view that Bitcoin is going to stay 20,000. So far, you know, it's still at 20,000, but, you know, he's, he, he also still holds the points that um, it's going to go down. We haven't seen the worst yet. But um, let's see how the market pans out. But the point here I want to make is that Yes, we are in a bear market, but it is in this bear market that we need to be more aggressive to accumulate um, quality stocks so that when the market rebounds and when the economy turns better, this is when we will reap the biggest uh, benefit from our investment. Don't, don't invest in currency. Um, I want to make a comment on this one. Um, okay, so some I have received some um, questions to ask whether this is a good time to buy, uh, to not, well, not buy, but invest in US dollar. But actually, um, speaking to some of the more um, seasoned investor, right, um, they have been telling me that they are actually using their US dollar to buy British pounds, to buy... Euro because, <coughs> because the conversion is just too great not to ignore. 
to a certain extent, they even converted some of the US dollar back to the ringgit. Um, why are they doing this? Is because everyone knows that things that go up must come down and things that go down must come up. So based on that, and it has, and, and that volatility has been so large, so therefore they think that now is the time to actually readjust their currency portfolio um, to make it more balanced. So when you say don't invest in currency, it's more like um, how to balance yourself out so that, for example, if ringgit suddenly improved by 20% and you are holding a lot of US dollar, you are going to make a huge loss there. Now, since you're making a, a gain from your US dollar right now, why not just take some profit off the table, maybe convert it back to Malaysia and spend the ringgit wisely over here for the time being. <clears throat> What's the valid validity of the budget even if parliament is dissolved later? Uh, the budget is only effective for one year. So therefore you have budget 2022, budget 2023, budget 2024. Um, so if let's say the parliament is dissolved tomorrow, then the current budget 2022 can help us to last until the end of the fiscal year. And once the fiscal year ends, then you know the new budget cannot kickstart, then that's where we will see all this problem come in. Well, okay. How does Credit Suisse situation will affect Malaysian market? Ah, this is another interesting question. Uh, if you read the news, you know there are speculation that um, Credit Suisse is insolvent right now. So their share price has been dropping, dropping, dropping. A bit like what happened during the 2008 financial crisis. You know, Citibank and all these big majors bank got, got, got um, pressed down tremendously. And then the US government have to come and intervene, do some merger and acquisition to uh, make their position stronger. So um, this time round, um, Credit Suisse is facing the similar situation, but um, most of their investment are catered towards European, US, you know, that part of the world, the Western part of the world. So it will not affect our economy too much. So we are... You can you can safely ignore that episode, but if you want to play high risk high return game, then you know something that is at the lowest. If you buy, if it doesn't go bust, then yalla. Then when it turns back, then that's when you can make a lot of money. Okay, um, I don't think there are any more questions left. Most of these are comments. Most of these, most of these are comments. So um, if there are no more... Oh, okay, so one just pop up. <laughs> what will happen if the US Fed keeps increasing 50, 75 basis points for the next few months? Will that help to slow down inflation and recession? 
Okay, so the Fed has said that um, the magic number is 4.6%. They want to increase the interest rate until it reaches 4.6%. Currently, they are at 3% level. So that means to say that about 1.5% to go. And to reach the 1.5%, it could be 75 plus 75 or 50, 50, 50 or whatever they want to do. We don't know, right? But they say the magic number is 46 Um but from 3% to 4.6%, that is a very big percentage jump still, right? And yes, it will help to tame the inflation, but it will also make the US economy much, much slower. And because when the cycle is moving slowly, it will cascade down to all the smaller economies like Malaysia. So for example, if... Apple sales is slow in the US. Do you think Apple is going to buy more chips from Malaysia, for example? No, right? So, yeah. So, that will that is how it is going to slow our economy and maybe push our economy into a recession. We don't know. Uh, hopefully, that's why the budget is important. With all this taking into account, what are the what are the plans that we put in place to avoid all these things to happen in our country? Does it mean Tuesday will be a very interesting in Bosa, regardless of whatever they announce tomorrow? Um, if it is going to be a budget that is similar to budget 2022, I don't think there's going to be a lot of excitement. It will just be a normal day and probably whatever that's happening in the US the day before will play a bigger role in the performance on Busan Malaysia. But if they come up with surprises, let's say, for example, I have a new infrastructure plan or I want to go big in EV, so therefore all the cars got um, road tax-free, tax-free, whatever free for you guys, then yeah, then certain certain industry may actually move based on those announcements. So it so it will still come down to what, what they want to announce tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, I think there are no more questions there. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, I know today is just myself alone. It may sound a little bit monotone. You know, this is a little bit monologue, but it's it's okay. You know, I have fun. You know, you guys are here with me and all that. Um, so uh, next week, Peter is going to be back with us. So you will see both of us again. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of uh, Thursday Night Live. See you guys next week. Good night. <laughs>